Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. Well, it's good to see you in church on Easter. Come on. <clears throat> Why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell him, I heard you singing. <laughs> and give them that all-knowing look. You got to figure it out now. <clears throat> good. The Easter is, is my favorite, uh, just my favorite holiday. And I love Easter because Easter is distinctly a Christian holiday. And right now, I have all of my, my internet people that are saying, no, I saw on YouTube that Easter is actually a pagan holiday. And I want to remind you this. Uh, yes, April Fool's is over, so you can believe everything on the internet at this point. <laughs> you can. Um, but the truth is this. E- yes, uh, Easter is named after a pagan uh, deity, and so is the name Esther. And in both accounts, God flips the script and uses a pagan deity to make a a young girl named Esther, who named herself Ishtar, the goddess of fertility. And he takes her and flips her life around, and he says, you were brought here for such a time as this. And I just want to say to any skeptic that says, Easter shouldn't, the church shouldn't say the word Easter. I just want you to know, we, we take things and we adopt them, we steal them, we make them our own. And we use Easter to celebrate the risen king. I got five five percent of you that agree, but that's that's fine. Just know, just know that that's what we do. <clears throat> that's what we do. Um, really, the real holiday would be Passover. That's the the true holiday here. But um, I'm just really excited because Easter's all about the hope that comes through Jesus. At the end of the day, Christianity is not a set of uh, beliefs that we need to hold, like a philosophy system, a moral code. It's really not based on any of that. We do have those things. But that's not what Christianity is founded on, like every other religion. Instead, Christianity is founded on a date in history, an event that happened in history. And right now, someone is saying, well, how can you say this, that Jesus died and rose again 2,000 years ago? Well, let me say this. How can you say that Shakespeare lived? There's actually more evidence that Jesus lived than Shakespeare lived. Yeah, and there's, there's over 500 people uh, plus his disciples that saw him after he died. And these people were, were so committed to the fact that they had seen him that they were willing to die. I would just say, like, if it was me, if it was me, uh, and they're about to kill me for this joke I'd been pulling on everybody. I would have been like, I'm, I'm, joke's up, joke's up. Like, take the handcuffs off, joke's up. I'm just, I'm playing, guys. I'm just playing. <clears throat> But the truth is there's a lot of evidence, and you can go and study it for yourself, but a lot of evidence that shows that this day in history truly did happen and truly marked the known world uh, even to this day. Uh, Easter is a day all about 
resurrection. Isn't it good to know that your story doesn't have to stay where it was bad, but God can resurrect your story and make it good again? It's good to know that. You know, I've got a few uh, just little pet peeves. Anybody got pet peeves? I've got a couple pet peeves. I, someone said people. Come on. <laughs> Come on, some my pet peeves sitting next to me, amen. <laughs> you know, one of, me, one of my pet peeves is, uh, is when you're in the, the line at the grocery store and, uh, you know, you're all waiting to get checked out, Target, Walmart, Fred Meyer, and, um, uh, you, you know, there's, you're watching the person ahead of you get checked out and... All their items go through the conveyor belt. The clerk has rung up all their items. And then they tell them the total of what the cost is. And it's at that point that they decide to start looking in their purse for their method of payment. You know what I'm saying? It's like you knew they were going to ask for your money. You, you, you should have been digging. And they're all digging in. You know, it's, it's always one of those purses that, like, you're going to get graham crackers in your fingernails when you're... See, you, you, you're laughing because you know. <laughs> you, know what I'm, you know what I'm saying. Like you, you, and I, sometimes you, just, you can see what's going on in, in the purse. You, know? you, you can see. Like they, they've got like all kinds of stuff in there except their method of payment, right? They've got like jumper cables or in, like a, a first aid kit in a metal can. Like who, who, carries, that? who carries that around? And they finally get their, their, you know, their card out and they start to pay the clerk. And you're like, that's, that's an old Blockbuster DVD in your purse. Like... They went out of business because of you. You, you should have known that they were, they were going to ask for your, for your method of payment. Uh, it's it's kind of what they do. Uh, here's the deal. In life, there are things we need to be ready for. There are things that we need to know are coming. Like, like someone shouldn't have to tell you that certain things will happen in life. And one of the things I can guarantee you about this life is this, is that you are going to experience trouble. Like, like your life is going to have seasons in it that are just hard. There's going to be times when things get difficult. Can I just give you a promise from Jesus today? Jesus says this in John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus, maybe this is somebody's life verse right here. He says this, I have told you these things so that in me you have made peace. Next sentence. In this world, you will have trouble. He's reading my mail. (laughs) But take heart, I have overcome the world. If you've ever wondered, like, why does it seem like every difficult thing happens to my family? Like, why does trouble seem to follow me? Let me tell you this. It is a promise from Jesus. You thought death and taxes were the only two guarantees in life. No. According to Jesus, trouble is also going to be a difficulty in life that you're going to face. And we all face it. We all face trouble. I I don't care how nice you look today. I do actually care that you look nice because I dress nice today. Come on. If you're new here, this is not my regular attire. I grew up in, uh, in church where I wore a suit every single day, and I just uh, refused to wear suits at this point. Um, but, I mean, I dressed up. I just didn't put on the tie. Like, ties are of the devil, I think. Um, 
This is actually a jean bottom and jean top. That's called a Canadian tuxedo. Come on. But it doesn't matter how, how nice you look today. It doesn't matter how put together you looked when you stepped out of the car. Because we all know while you were still in the car, you were yelling at your kids. At the end of the day, we all experience trouble. Waking up, not expecting to hear that phone call. Maybe you got to, to work in the morning and, and you just didn't see the downsides coming. Or maybe 15 years of marriage and, and you did, just did not anticipate him saying, I'm just not into it anymore. We all face difficulty. We all face pain. And Jesus says, take heart. I've overcome the world. And that gives us joy. And that gives a little bit of hope. But the truth is this. Pain, still pain. Trouble, still trouble. Difficulty is still difficult no matter how much you memorize your Bible. It's still hard. The Bible tells us that the race isn't given to the fastest and that the battle's not given to the strongest, but it's given to the one that will endure until the end. And I'm just trying to tell somebody today that in your life you're going to experience difficulty because trouble is no respecter of persons. Trouble shows up no matter how much money is in your bank account, you're going to experience trouble. It doesn't matter how many degrees. You may have more degrees than a thermometer, and trouble is going to show up in your life. It doesn't matter what zip code you live in. It doesn't matter who you voted for. It doesn't matter how padded your bank asset column is. It doesn't matter how many influential people you know. Trouble will show up on the doorsteps of your life. Because trouble is woke. Trouble doesn't discriminate. And it's for that very reason that I would tell you this, let's give people around us some grace. That, that cashier that's, that seems to have an attitude, it's not about you. It has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the fact that she's a single mom frustrated because someone else isn't helping with the kids. She's working two or three jobs just to get by, hasn't had a, a, a wink of sleep in weeks. And she's grumpy, but she's not grumpy at you. She's just experiencing trouble. This idea of trouble is really, it's a subtle reminder for all of us that we really don't have as much control as we think we do. I, I think sometimes when we experience difficulty, we think, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna plan my way out of this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure my way out. I, I mean, a couple years ago, I, I messed up my ankle, and ever since, my ankle will just go out on me. It, it's a growing older. I, I may not be as old as a lot of you, but <laughs> come on. Somebody's just <laughs> spirit of offense in the house today. 
But here's the deal. I've said that because for a lot of people, I'm old in here. But here's the deal. My ankle started getting messed up, and I, I had to have this boot that I put on the ankle, and, and the doctor gave me this boot, and I walk around like I'm on the moon with this boot. And I told my wife, I said, oh, it's cool. I'll, I'll just a week on this boot, and I'll be done. Like, I'll be, you give me like three days in this boot, I'll be playing basketball. Three days later, I'm just like still walking in the boot, you know? Because you can't, you can't plan your way out of trouble. You can't will the good thinking your way out of difficulty in life. It shows up and it is going to stay until it runs its course. It, it, it is difficult. And the Bible tells us this, this interesting phrase. Israel's in a really dark place. Israel is, is really struggling. And the prophet Hosea records this in Hosea chapter 2, verse 15. He says, And there I will give her vineyards, and I will make the valley of trouble a door of hope. Come on, somebody. Has anybody been walking through a valley of trouble and you need God to give you a doorway of hope today? You might have been just checking the Easter checkbox today, but I'm here to tell you it's no accident that you walked in the door on Easter Sunday to hear the word of God say that he will, in the valley of your trouble, he will give you a door of hope. A door of hope. What's crazy about this idea of hope is we, in, in our English language, we really don't get what the Bible is saying here. We hear hope, and hope is this abstract word that just sort of is out there, and, and we think, well, if I just, okay, hope is nice, but I need something I can actually, like, grab and touch. You know what I'm saying? Like, hope is nice, but I need a check to show up in the mail. <laughs> And let me tell you that the Hebrew word for hope is tikva, and tikva doesn't mean an abstract idea of hope. It, it actually has a completely different meaning. Does, it, does anybody have like a, a shoelace or like a string, some sort of cord? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Doug, that's perfect. This is perfect. I was, I was looking for a shoelace, but... <laughs> Some people are just overachievers around here. Come on. <clears throat> the word tikva doesn't mean an abstract idea of hope. What it means is a rope. What it means is this, is that when you're looking for God to show up, God provides hope. Hope isn't just this weird mystical thing we just kind of hope we can experience. No, hope in Hebrew literally means a rope that is secured, that is attached to something else that you can hold on to. What I'm here to tell somebody today is that God isn't offering you this cute idea of hope. He's saying, I have wrapped a cord of strength around the foot of the cross of Jesus, and you can go through anything in life when you grab onto that hope and lean in. There's just power in knowing that God doesn't want to just be like, oh, it's cute, pat on the back, like do better, slap on the butt. Like that's not how God is. God says, I'm giving you a 
door of hope, an exit from your struggle, and it looks like something you can wrap your hands around. It looks like something you can experience. This is why the writer of 1 John says, the word of truth which we have seen and heard and we have handled the word of life. You can grab hope. You can grab it. This is, let, me, let me draw this out a little further because uh, the writer of Hebrews says it uh, a little clearer talking about Jesus. He says this. this is, uh, I use the message here because it, it draws out the point. For, for those of you who are like, oh, the message, <clears throat> you're in the wrong church. Okay. <clears throat> we who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and to never let go. Is there anybody else that's been going through a valley of trouble and what you really need is a rope of hope that you can grab onto with both hands and allow God to pull you through? He says, grab onto it with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline, reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God where Jesus, running on ahead of us, has taken up his permanent post as high priest for us in the order of Melchizedek. What's going on is that Scripture's saying this, that Jesus has entered into a holy place, and he didn't just stay there. He actually threw a rope back and said, hey, why don't you come along with me? I'm a secure foundation. Are you struggling in your marriage today? Grab a hold of the end of this thing with two hands, and I'll drag you through. Are you struggling in your finances today? Yes, you need a budget, amen, somebody. <clears throat> But what you also need is to grab onto a rope called hope and allow Jesus to be the secure foundation of your life. When I find myself in a valley of trouble, I can always be sure that God provides a rope called hope. Not something I can't put my hands on, but something I can actually wrap my hands around. Something I can actually embrace and know that there's security in that thing. That it's going to hold me when I need it to hold me. I may not have control when life gets difficult. I may not know all the answers when life is confusing, but I can be attached to the one sure thing in life that never changes. So we go through life and we experience these pains. God throws out his rope. I'm just asking, is there anybody today that you just need to grab onto a rope? Maybe for you, it's shame. Maybe for you, you're struggling. You're saying, I, I just, there's things in my life that I just can't go back and take back. Maybe somebody today, it's a broken identity, and I want you to know you can grab a rope today. Maybe for you, it's failure. 
you thought your venture was going to turn out differently than it did. And I'm just telling you, there's, there's a rope. Maybe for you it's anxiety. Isn't it crazy how we live in a culture, by our estimation, the most advanced culture that has ever lived? We have every luxury at our fingertips. And yet, we don't have peace and we don't have joy. And we stay up late at night with anxiety. It's a pandemic. Maybe you've experienced abuse in your past. Because of it, you just feel like my life will never be normal. I'm telling you, there's a rope. It's called hope that Jesus throws out as a lifeline. Maybe fear. Maybe you don't know why, but you're just scared all the time. Let me tell you this. Fear is a spiritual stronghold. And God says, I'm, I'm providing you some hope. Not just some random thing that's cute and warm and fuzzy but something you can wrap your hands around and lean into, maybe addiction today. Maybe you struggle with substance addiction. or Maybe you're addicted to pornography and you think, how can I ever quit? I'm telling you, there's a rope. It's called hope. There's a rope that is attached to the foot of Jesus' cross. And if there's ever been a tree that that rope will hold to, it is the cross. Guilt, shame, trauma. He's here for all of it today. That's what this Resurrection Sunday is about. It's about him saying that it is finished. That it is final. That I'm going up the hill. I'm going to wrap a rope around that tree and throw it back as a lifeline for everybody else. And the rope is called it's called hope. <clears throat> the nice thing about Jesus is he doesn't he doesn't just uh, he doesn't just tell us like oh you're going to be all right and then leave us, but he stays with us, like it's actually reliable. I don't know if you saw this in the news recently, but there was a truck. Can you put this picture? There's a truck that was bouncing. It was going down the highway here in Idaho. Do you remember this in the news? You were there. Okay, she was maybe inspecting the bridge. I don't know. Do something. And, and this truck lost control, started a jackknife, hit both sides, goes over the railing. And I, I can't imagine the terror. I, I just can't, I can't fathom what that would have been like. But according to the news article and according to pictures you can find on the internet, the one thing that held this truck from going over the edge was just those little chains that go between your truck and your trailer. One of them. Come on, you were there. You got an eyewitness. One chain that goes between the trailer and the truck. And I don't know how many times I've, I've chained up my trailer on my truck and just thought, what good would this thing ever do if my trailer came off? <laughs> you know what good it'll do? A rope called hope. Just a single strand called hope. 
just some simple thing that will hold you. And I'm just telling somebody today that it may feel like your life has gone off the edge and you don't know where to start. But if there's just a little rope called hope, Jesus will hold you. He'll hold you. And he doesn't just, he doesn't just tell you to get better, get good, and like, oh, I'm, you're going to be all right. Like, go have fun. He's not, he's not that kind of guy. Like, he actually gets in there with you. The Bible tells us this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize. That's a double negative, okay? That means he is able to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. You've been tempted to cheat? Jesus was tempted to cheat. You've been tempted to steal? Jesus has been tempted to steal. You've been tempted with addiction? Jesus has been tempted with addiction. You've been tempted with insecurity? Jesus has been tempted with, I'm saying, like everything you've experienced, he's experienced it, yet he came out on top. Yet let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in a time of need. He's not just God that's saying, like, go get him, tiger, and then goes and sits in the bleachers. No, he's the God that gets on the field with you, that is entering into the valley of trouble with you. So a couple of years ago, I was, um, uh, I like to float the Boise River when it's super hot. Does anybody else like to do that? Super hot. Not when it's cold. When it's cold, it's like, no. But when it's super hot, I like to go to Barber Park and float down with the kids. And um, so we had, uh, we had Facebook Marketplace some, uh, some inner tubes, and we, we'd gone down, and we, we, um, <clears throat> we got to this spot. There's a, a concrete block that people jump off of. Anybody been there? Anybody seen that, that spot? Yeah? And, uh, and so... We get at my, my youngest, he was five at the time. He's like, Dad, I'm going to jump this time. I'm going to jump this time. And I was like, all right, man, let's go. Like, you can't swim, but let's go. <laughs> so we get close to where that block is, and we start paddling the, the little uh, inflatable over to the, the side, and we get out, and I put a life jacket on him, life jacket on him, because he can't swim, <laughs> okay? He can't swim. But I, I, I honestly, I, I want my kids to experience a little danger in their lives, like, danger never hurt anybody. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean. A lot better than sitting behind a Nintendo, amen? amen. <laughs> and, so, and so we get to, this, we get to this, this thing, and he's five years old. He, he, he can barely dog paddle, but he's got a life jacket on, and I'm holding his hand, and there's this crowd of people, and they're like, do it, little buddy. They don't know my son can't swim. They're just like, yeah. Like, like would you babysit my child? Like, that's... Just have him jump. And so, so I hold his hand. I'm like, ready? I was like, oh, I'm three. And I'm expecting him to be like, one, two, three. But he's like, one, two, three, and he's off. He's just like going for it. Because it's pretty incredible. When you, when you know that your dad's holding your hand, you can jump off a cliff. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like he's cheering you from the sidelines, but he's holding your hand. It makes all the difference in the world. When you know that your God is holding your hand, you can take a risk. And he jumps off this cliff, and I'm in the air with him like a good dad until I realize that I'm above the water, and I let go of his hand. <laughs> like, you're on your own. Like, <laughs> rolling down the windows, you know, ah, 
splash in the water, and, and I come up, and, I, and when I come up, his life jacket punches him right back up to the top, and I see him, and his eyes are like saucers, and he's splashing like this, like, ah, and I start swimming over towards him. I'm like, hey, buddy, hey, buddy, see me, and the water it will pull you apart there. It's, it's pretty fast, and, and I'm like, hey, buddy, look at me, look at me, look at me, and, and I didn't even touch his hand yet, but when his fearful eyes caught my eyes, and he realized, oh, dad's right here. Like, dad didn't go anywhere. Dad didn't bail out on me. He's not, like, he's right here. I'm telling you, that fear in his eyes, gone. And instantly, confidence was there. I'm just telling somebody, that's what God does for us. You may be going through a difficult season. You may be in the biggest trouble of your life, but you've got a God that jumps off the cliff with you. And he's saying, just look at me. Like, let's make some eye contact. I haven't gone anywhere. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says this, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What I'm saying today is this, is that you may be going through the most difficult season of your life, but in the eyes of God, you're not failure. You're not discouragement. You're not shame. In the eyes of God, you are the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Hold on to that rope. The next time the enemy whispers in your ear and says, you're not good enough, you're stupid, you're not smart enough, you, you, have, you failed too often, you weren't there enough, I'm telling you, you are the righteousness of Jesus Christ. This is the beauty of the cross. This is what it's all about. It's about God extending a lifeline to us. Like this is what Resurrection Sunday is. God sending us a rope that is called hope. Because Jesus dies and they roll a stone in front of his tomb but that stone doesn't stay there because on the third day, there wasn't people pushing the stone away. There wasn't uh, people taking a hammer to the stone to break the stone. The scripture tells us that the stone rolled away. And when the stone rolled away, Jesus stepped out of the tomb and he threw a lifeline to you and me. It's a rope called Hope. Can you imagine? He steps into the tomb, and when he's in the grave, he decides to build a doorway inside of a grave. Like, who builds a doorway inside of a grave? But Jesus says, grave cannot hold me. I'm going to step out of the tomb, and if he can build a doorway in a grave, he can build a doorway in your bankruptcy. He can build a doorway in your marriage. He can build a doorway in your insecurity. He can make a way where there is no way. He can reach into a space that doesn't exist and create a door for you you never saw coming and change your life. 
doesn't matter what the lion's mouths do. It doesn't matter what the fiery furnace can do. There is always hope because God gives us a rope, and it's called hope. I'm going to be over my sickness in the morning. I'm just going to take a bunch of Robitussin and wake up in the morning, and I'll be, I'll be better. I'm just going to grieve for two weeks, and then I'm going to go about my life. No, you're not. I'm just going to struggle with depression for six months, and then at the end of six months, when summer starts, it will all be better. No, it won't. I'm going to go through the darkest season of my life, but by this time next year, I will have it all figured out and be on a different path. No, you won't. You don't get to plan trouble. What you do get to do is in the difficulty, in the valley, in the struggle, you get to hang on to a rope called hope. In the middle of life's most difficult times, you can grab that rope, you can wrap it around yourself. See if I can do a one-handed bowline, almost one-handed, boom. <clears throat> you can grab that rope and wrap it around your body and allow God to bring you through the most discouraging season you've ever experienced. Would you all stand with me all across the room? <clears throat> the Bible says this. In Revelations chapter 3, verse 7, it says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, The words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one will open. God can open doors in your life that no one else can open. You thought it was just a coincidence that everything lined up to work out for a certain purpose in your life. You just thought, man, that's just amazing how that coincidence happened. Not a coincidence. God can open doors. It doesn't matter how much they're against you, they cannot shut the door. And then have there been other times in your life when you desperately wanted something, but it just seemed like the door was shut? Because God can shut doors that no one can open. He has the key to every door that you need opened in your life. And he also has the key to lock every door that you need locked in your life. And we need to trust him when he shuts doors. But there's one door he cannot open. least he won't because later just a few verses later in this same chapter of revelation the bible says behold i stand at the door and knock if any man would open this door i would come sup with him and he would with me god can open every door you need opened and he can slam shut every door that you will need slam shut except for the door to your heart except for the door to you being willing to say God I, I surrender 
on that door, what he does is he stands outside of it and he knocks. He says, would you, would you open this door? I got keys. I got a pile of keys here. I just need you to open that door. There's a story. There was a, a painting by a guy named Holman Holt, uh, Holman Holt from the 1800s. Uh, he was a painter. I, when I look at his paintings, here, it's all right. It's all right. You know, I think I think that's about junior high. Okay, but it's worth a lot of money. Someone pays money for this stuff. <laughs> Someone got too much money and doesn't know what they're like. Talk to me. Talk to me. I'll help you with that. I'll draw for you. But Holman Holt, Holman Holt had, had drawn this painting based on this verse, Revelation 3.22. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And somebody came to him and they said, hey, you messed up your painting. He said, how did I mess it up? They said, you forgot to put the doorknob on the door. He said, no, there's a doorknob there. But it's only on the inside of the door. And if you've been waiting for God to come kick your door down, right? God, come prove yourself to me. He's not going to kick your door down. You've got to open the door. And when you do that, he'll come in doesn't come in alone he brings with him a rope named hope so all across this room maybe just heads bowed eyes closed just give people privacy in in this moment if you're in here today and you recognize to open the door of your heart for Jesus and let him in. If that's you, why don't you go ahead and raise your hand. Everyone else, their head's down. Their eyes are closed. If you're saying, I I just need that rope called hope, come on. I see those hands. I see those hands. Good job. Here's what we're going to do. Here's how we open the door. It's not hard, you guys. It's not hard. We're going to repent Listen to me. Repent means I'm going to turn away from all the things in my life that I know don't please God. And then I'm going to believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. When I do, His blood cleanses us from all sin and puts us in right standing with God. So for all of you that raised your hand, why don't we repent of the things that we know don't please God and let's believe in him right now. Join me, something like this. Jesus, God, I'm I'm sorry. Right now I am turning away from the things in my life that I know don't please you. 
would you forgive me? I believe that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again on the third day. And right now, I'm placing all of my faith and hope in him. Say these words. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. And I'm going to follow you every day that I live. Come on, church family. We just got some people just made the best decision of your life. The best decision of your life. Listen, we don't want you to just make that kind of a decision and just stay where you are. I want to encourage you, get plugged into church. If you're like, this church probably isn't my church, that's fine. Find a church and do everything they do for a year, and I promise you will grow. If that's this church, do everything we do for a year, and I promise you will grow. Come on. Let's worship the Lord. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church, to find out more. Well, we love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.